Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church, as Pastor Joel preaches from Genesis chapter 3, with a message entitled, The Seed of the Gospel. I'd like to begin this morning by reading from God's Word from Genesis 2 and verse 8. Genesis 2 and verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the, to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your text this morning, uh, that was written so long ago, but written for us today. Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, uncover our eyes so that we could see, Lord, that if there is rooted sin in us, that that would be exposed and we would see uh, freedom and life and hope in you. Um, and Lord, that you would help us to navigate uh, this really well-known text, uh, but give us eyes to see what you would have for us, ears to hear we should hear from you. And Lord, soften our hearts so that we can understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, at the beginning, God creates this garden in Eden. Uh, and there, in the middle of the garden, he puts two trees. Uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Uh, two trees in the middle. Uh, the fruit of each of those trees, quite different. Uh, they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that fruit, and they will die. The tree of life, it, they will live and live forever. Uh, imagine then if we could find this tree, the tree of life. If we found the tree of life, uh, how much money do you think we could make on Amazon selling <laughs> the fruit from the tree of life? Uh, we, people pay fortunes for like gym memberships, for uh, healthy eating and diets and supplements and all these things for, for life. They're looking uh, for life. How much would somebody spend if they could get the fruit of the tree of, of life? Uh, well, there are some people that spend their whole life looking for that, and you, you might know some of them, uh, who spend their whole life looking for life. It's a bit I ironic. They would spend their whole life looking for uh, life. One of my favorite movies growing up was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Do you remember that? Uh, now, this is just a story of a man who's looking for all these artifacts in uh, Israel and all over Egypt and, and everywhere. And in the Last Crusade, one of the things he's looking for is this uh, Holy Grail. Do you remember? He's looking for the Holy Grail because uh, when he finds it, if he can drink from this Holy Grail, it's supposed, it was supposed to offer him like eternal life. Uh, so do you, if you remember the story, he, he, he weaves through these mazes and obstacles and finally ducks his head into the room. And if you've seen the movie, I'm sure you can picture it because it's like the, the climax of the movie. He ducks his head in and there is this crusader that's been living for like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And in the room, there's all these cups, uh, gold cups and like ones with emblem, like uh, medallions and all these things uh, on them. And, and he has to choose. If he chooses the right cup, 
then he'll live forever. But if he chooses the wrong cup, uh, it'll be like instant death. You remember? You choose the wrong cup, you have chosen poorly. <laughs> right? But if you choose the right cup, you've chosen wisely. There, there's this, there's this uh, choice to be made, life or death. Now, we know that's just a story, right? But when I was in Israel, we were down by the Dead Sea, and just over this like uh, ridge of mountains, our tour guide said, oh, you know Indiana Jones? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, there's actually a guy over there in that ridge in the wilderness that's looking for all these artifacts. Uh, he's looking for the shroud and the Ark of the Covenant and where the tree of life might be. Uh, this guy's name is Tudor Parfit. And he gave his life. He was actually a religion, a religion professor of archaeology from England that would teach a little bit and then go to Israel. Sound familiar? Spend his whole life looking for these artifacts, looking for the tree of life. And I want to bring it back to our message today because uh, ahead of us in this, these next few months, there's an adventure waiting for all of us. And at the end of it, uh, we're going to show you that the tree of life is actually on offer to each one of you today. Uh, you don't have to go to Israel. You don't have to spend your whole life in a desert. You don't have to pay an admission fee to go into some religious site. Uh, you don't need any of that. The tree of life is offered to you today. Because what we're going to see, we're going to see these two seeds that are planted in the ground in our story today. Two, two seeds that are going to begin to grow in the story of uh, the Bible. And these two, these two trees uh, are going to offer two very different things, life and death. Just like the two trees in the middle of the garden. Uh, we're going to uh, start Genesis 3 this morning. Uh, and Genesis 3, uh, and I would say is like the, the, the trailhead to these trails through the Bible. Or, or like a stream that we're going to watch as it navigates through the whole Bible story. Uh, in Genesis and actually all the rest of uh, the story of the Bible as well. So many of these themes and patterns and words begin as like seeds in Genesis Three, like seeds that then will turn into these trees that will give us fruit. So this morning I want to see uh, two seeds that are going to be planted and then the two fruits that are going to be offered. Uh, so first, let's look. Uh, on. It'll be page two of your pew Bible if you want to look follow along. Uh, Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. We're going to see the seed of sin. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the, trees of, the, uh, of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, uh, the woman who, who you gave me, gave to be with me, uh, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's stop right there. We're going to look at the seed of, of sin in this story. It's the very first sin uh, recorded in the Bible. And it begins with a talking snake, a talking serpent. Does that strike you odd to anyone else? <laughs> there's, a, there's a talking serpent in this story which already sets this apart. It's like there's something bigger going on than you finding a gardener snake in your uh, garden. Like there, there's something going on here that's, that's much Bigger uh, and the serpent, he, he, he says to the woman, uh, he, he takes God's words, God's command, and, and puts a twist on them. The, the almost what's true, but just twists it in such a way. And the question that he asks her is, Did God say that you couldn't eat of any of the trees? Not a one. He, he's, really, he's really questioning God's character, isn't he? Uh, this is just like God, to make this beautiful garden where you look around and go, oh, that looks good. Oh, that looks good. And he tells you, you, don't, you can't eat any of it. What a cruel person. What, he's holding back on you. Uh, this, the serpent is really attacking God's character. You can't eat of any of the trees. He doesn't want you to have any fun. That's what the serpent says. He's holding out on you. Everyone else has it great, but he's, he's keeping you back, and you're not going to have any fun or enjoy or comfort of any of this stuff. And the woman responds back, no, 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 that's not what he said. But there is this one tree in the middle of the garden, and that one tree we're not, we're not supposed to eat, and we're not even supposed to touch it or we'll, we'll die. Not, not even touch it. Now we're going to see uh, a little bit later on that the command that God gives not to eat of the tree is actually given uh, specifically to Adam uh, in the second uh, chapter. And so we don't know uh, where the woman heard the command not to eat of the tree. And we don't even actually know uh, where she got this idea, you can't even touch it. Because if you look in your Bibles, God did not command, you can't touch it. He said, don't eat it. Now it seems, okay, that's wise. Maybe, uh, maybe Adam's walking with her and goes, hey, see that tree? Yeah, don't touch it. I mean, don't, we can't eat it, so don't even, don't even touch it. Maybe he adds on to it. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, but whatever it is, the serpent is attacking God's character. Uh, and then the next thing is we see the, uh, the first like, seeds of, of sin. We see a, a pattern of sin that will actually grow and grow and grow in our world and even in our own lives. And, and we'll see this pattern again and again. The woman, she sees the tree, she sees that it's good, and then she takes it. She sees, it's, calls it good, and takes it. Now, if you've been reading, if we just read Genesis 1 and 2 right straight through, there's been this repeated line uh, uh, that is accredited to God. And God saw what he had made, and it was good. And God saw what he made, and it was good. And God saw what he made, and it was good. And now we have the woman. She sees. She defines what is good for herself. And then she takes it. 
She doesn't let God define what is good and evil. She takes it in her hands. I think I'll decide what's good for me. So we go through that same pattern, actually again and again and again. Between now and May in Genesis, we're going to see this pattern probably six times. As they see something is good, and they take it. They don't listen to the voice of the Lord. They define what's good in in their own eyes, uh, and they take it for themselves. They go, you know, that's probably okay. I mean, maybe uh, it's not going to hurt anybody. I I can probably do this for myself. I I mean, I I know God said that, but that's so long ago. This is probably good for, for me. And we do it all the time. That seed of sin, to see something, to define it for ourselves that it's good, and then to take it, to act on it. Now, before we throw stones at the woman, and I know if you're a woman in here, you might be feeling like, man, I know, I get it. We were there. I, I want us to see really what the biblical text is telling us uh, in the story, but then also in the, in the bigger story of uh, the Bible as well. And this part, uh, men, if you're here, I want you to listen. So women, you can take a little break. Uh, no, you can listen as well. But men, I really want you to listen. Here's the, here's the flow of the, the narrative that it presents to us. It's, it's very... Uh, Um, It's in in a very meaningful order. Uh, God creates a garden in Eden. He puts two trees in that garden. He places man in that garden and tells Adam, don't eat from that tree. The very next thing he says in the narrative is, it's not good that man's alone. Uh, It makes it very clear that the command was given to Adam, don't eat from that tree. That's a bad tree. Uh, then uh, he tells them uh, it's not good he's alone so he makes a woman and then they come together one of the stories is a little bit silent then on uh, how, does, how does this woman know not to eat from that tree did, did God tell her or is Adam supposed to tell her in the narrative it sure seems like the, the responsibility is given to Adam uh, to do the right thing in this well for some, uh, for some reason and I pretty much know the reason. They're in the middle of the, the garden. Eat, uh, the woman is in the middle of the garden because that's where the tree of life is. So if you want to eat from the tree of life, you have to go to the middle of the garden, which right next to the tree of life is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which you shouldn't eat. And, and the woman is there and uh, in the middle of the garden, and the serpent talks to her and addresses her. In your Bibles, it'll have a little footnote. Uh, uh, And the you that he's using there is, I know in English it's hard, but the you is plural. Like, it'd be like y'all. He's addressing both uh, Adam and the the woman. The the serpent is going, uh, you guys, you all can't eat from any of these trees. You all will be like God. And even even the answer that the woman gives is in the plural as well. Well, we can eat. It's, it's like she is speaking on behalf of uh, Adam. And if you've read the story up till now, the biggest question, at least the biggest question in my mind is, where's, where's Adam? Where's Adam? Uh, it paints it like he's uh, maybe just sitting there while she's doing everything, or, or maybe he's way far away in the garden somewhere else. And then if he is way far out, I, I would ask the question, why aren't you with your wife when you go to the middle of the garden? Because you know there's the one tree that you're not supposed to eat. Why aren't you there with, with her? And then she speaks, like for both of them, 
And, and the serpent like uh, deceives her uh, for the both of them, and Adam just sits there and is passive. No red flags, no alarms going off. He sees the fruit in her hand and doesn't uh, say anything. There's no movement. There's no, like, wait a minute. We shouldn't be doing this. And, and then this is, this is the, the, the series of goes. It goes really quick. She takes and eats. Then he gives some to her husband. And it says, who was with her? Well, whether that's with her in the garden big or with her like right next to her, it doesn't really matter because he should have been there if he wasn't. And if he was right there and he's doing nothing, you're, just, you're wondering, where is he at? So she, she takes the fruit, she eats it, gives some to her husband who eats it. And then the very next line is, then both of their eyes were opened. The consequence of, of sin, of eating that fruit, is that your eyes will be opened and there'll be death. She eats, eyes aren't opened yet, gives some to her husband who eats, and then their eyes were opened. The responsibility in the biblical text lies on the man. The woman was deceived, but Adam just plain out rebelled. I, I know what God told me to do, and I'm not going to do it. It's at that moment that both of their eyes were open. Not stepping in, not saying anything, uh, Adam allows sin to enter into the world. And maybe he's thinking, well, it's not worth it. I don't want to get in a fight. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to make her mad. She seems like she really wants to eat it. I'm just going to let her to do it. He just goes along with it. He knows the right thing to do, and he disobeys. He disobeys the Lord. And then Paul tells us in Romans 5 that it's by one man that sin entered the world. And it doesn't say by one woman. It says by one man. Their eyes were open. They realized they're naked. And so they hide themselves. They hide themselves from God. Can you imagine trying to hide yourself from God? I think it's supposed to be a little comical. Like, here's the God of creation who's put them in the garden, and now they're hiding uh, from him. They're hidden in the garden, and then they hear, it's, they said they hear the sound of God in the cool of the day. Uh, that word cool is really translated from the word for spirit or breath. It's ruach in the Old, Test Old Testament Hebrew. Uh, and, and they're in the garden hiding, and they hear this. The Lord's moving. God is on the move. Here's the, the principle, one of the principles I think we can really learn from this is that God does not abandon sinful people. God does not abandon sinful people. In fact, he pursues them in gentle love to repentance. He doesn't go, oh, forget it. He moves and pursues them and doesn't let them stay where they're at, stuck in their, their sin. He asked them questions. Did you see all the questions that God asked in there? Uh, I imagine it like uh, when you're with a kid that's got chocolate on their face, and you're like, hey, did you eat that cookie? And you're like, you knew they ate the cookie. They got crumbs and chocolate all over them. And you're, but you still ask them, did you eat the cookie? And why are you asking them? Because you're inviting them into like this gentle repentance, this relationship, this restoration. We know you ate the cookie. Just come to me and we can make this thing better. And so God asks them three questions. He says, where are you? Do you think like God's like, 
man, you guys, a good hiding spot. I sure can't find you. No, it's the question inviting. Come, where are you? Don't you see you've turned and hidden from me? Where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? Do you feel the invitation God is is giving them, this gentle, loving call to repentance, which just is heartbreaking than the response, the response of, of pointing fingers. Well, God, it's really the woman that you gave me, so it's kind of your fault, and it's the woman's fault, and it's the serpent's fault. And none of them, uh, none of them repent and go into this relationship with the Lord, at least at this moment. But even in their sin, God will give them hope of redemption in the seed of good news, in the seed of the gospel. The very first encounter with sin in the Bible, the very first thing that God does is gives us the seed of the good news. That God is going to make a way. He has a plan. He's going to bring a Messiah. He's going to bring someone who will crush the serpent and all the evil and brokenness that it's going to unleash. There's one coming that's going to make a way for restoration. There is one coming that's a serpent crusher. We read about it in verse 14 and 15. Uh, Read along with me, if you will. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, in this compact little announcement, there are seeds of the good news that we'll have to take a little bit of time to slow down and unpack for a little bit. This, um, if you're like a Bible geek, this is what's known as the Proto-Evangelion. Proto-Evangelion. Proto means first. Evangelion means good news. It's the first good news. The first sin entered in the world is met by the first uh, gospel. Uh, so God speaks to the serpent and he says, look, there's going to be this enmity, this strife, this conflict between the serpent and the woman. And then he goes on and between the serpent's uh, offspring or seed or descendants and the woman's seed or offspring descendants. Uh, so it's the woman and the serpent are going to be in conflict, and the offspring of the woman and the serpent are going to be in conflict. But this is not like a normal like family feud. And there's something uh, more going on here because the last uh, two lines. It says, he, and if you look at that, the he is the singular of the seed of the woman. There, there is one coming in the line of woman that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Now, how do you kill a serpent if you've been in a garden? You step on his, you crush, you crush his head. There is, there is one coming that's not going to battle the seed of the uh, serpent, but he's actually going to crush the head of the serpent. Do you see that? Which means whenever this Messiah comes along, the serpent's still there, that he can crush his, his head of it, which probably means it's, there's something bigger going on here than just a snake as well. He's going to crush all the evil and destruction in the world. Uh, God said he's going to bring him low, 
It's going to make him eat dust. Dust in our story is, is another like metaphor for death. Uh, from dust you are and dust you will be. He, he's bringing him low and making him go be reminded every day that the gospel is on its way. The seed of the good news is going to be victorious. He brings him low. But then the serpent, we're told, is going to strike or crush or bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Now, now let me ask you, how do, how do serpents and poisonous serpents, how do they kill someone? They strike the heel. And in that spot, they unleash all their poison and venom and evil and wickedness. So it, the seed of the woman, in, in killing the serpent and crushing evil and brokenness, is going to take into his own body a lethal blow. You see it? It's the first the good news, that there's going to be a seed who comes from the line of woman who's going to fulfill what it means to be a serpent crusher, but by doing that, he's going to lay his own life down. He's going to like put in himself all the pain and brokenness of the world. So then Paul can go, hey, death, where's your sting? Because Jesus is the serpent crusher who laid his life down so that we could have the first seeds of the good news, the gospel. Well, there are two seeds planted in our story. There's one that's sin, and there's one that there's good news. And these two trees, if we had the the rest of the afternoon, we could trace them along as they grow up, and the fruit that is from both of these different trees, two completely different trees that each produce two different, very different fruits. And we're going to see just uh, glimpses of what that fruit is going to be like uh, as that tree grows. So stay with me now. We're going to consider the fruit of each of these trees. The the first one is the fruit of the uh, fruit of the seed of sin. And what we're going to see is that pain and brokenness. Verse 16 says to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing in pain You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. They've planted the seed of sin. And now the Lord's like, and here are the consequences. Here's the fruit of sin. And it's pain and destruction. For women, it's pain it's the, the, the difficulty and struggle to get pregnant. And I know some of you have felt that. We've felt that. It's the pain every month of going, why can't I get pregnant? What's going on? It's the pain of delivery. It's the pain of raising a child and them turning their backs and making poor decisions and not wanting anything to do with you and turning their backs on the Lord. You feel the pain and pain There's a pain in relationships as well. There's a, there's a brokenness, a feeling of being rejected. Am I enough? Feeling alone, unloved, rejected. In pain, men will go to work, and then will go to work, 
and then we'll go to work, and it'll feel like, are we making any difference? Does my life matter at all? Does anyone even care? We face the same problems. We get weaker and tireder, and our bodies fall apart, and the strength that we once had in our youth is now like cracking and bending when we get up in the morning, and we're feeling, what is going on? Am I even valuable? The fruit of sin is pain, brokenness, and death. And so I think there's a place for all of us where we long for safety, we long for security, we, we, we long to not be hurt. We long to, be, to feel like there is some meaning or significance. We, we ask these questions, do I matter? Does anyone care? We ask questions of each other, are you safe? Can I actually tell you what I'm feeling and where my heart is? And, and it, will you like totally crush me? Can I trust you? And unless we come to the tree of life, those thorns and thistles that it talks about will just overtake us. But there's good news. There's hope. Even in the midst of brokenness and sin, God's plan would not fail. The serpent crusher would come one day and he'll swallow sin and death and brokenness. And because of that, we can take from the tree of life today. And we see just a picture of this as Adam, uh, he's going to reach out and take fruit from this tree of life. The, the seed of the gospel and this, and this hope that he has. Look in verse 20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden, excuse me, to work the ground from which it was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the garden. We'll see this theme of going east. Uh, east of the garden of Eden. He placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. After sin and brokenness are unleashed in the world, the very first thing that Adam does, he names his, his wife. And I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but in most stories and even commentaries, uh, they take Eve's name and they take it all the way back. So it's Adam and Eve. But it's actually Adam and the woman all through. You can look in your Bibles. It's Adam and the woman, Adam and the woman, Adam and the woman, until we get to this point. And then Adam goes, I'm going to name her Eve because she's the mother of all living. And that should strike us, his response to the brokenness in the world. Uh, she has no children at this point. She's uh, really done nothing to warrant being called the mother of all living, except for Adam, I think, is taking and reaching over to that seed of the gospel and taking some of the fruit and going, I hold on to this promise that one day, through you and your womb, that there'll be a descendant who comes along who crushes evil and brokenness and sin and death. And because of that, God's going to use you, Eve. You're the mother of all living. If anyone is going to be given and eat from the tree of life, it's going to be because God's plan and the serpent crusher. One day, sin, brokenness, death, it's all going to be defeated in Jesus. And then he takes them and he covers their shame, but also doesn't leave them stuck where they're at in their sin. He says, you have to leave the garden. I don't want you to keep remaining in this sin that you're in and live forever in this sin and this brokenness. 
but the seed of the gospel remained. There's a hope of a Messiah coming to open the way to the tree of life. So really there before each one of us today is this option. Uh, Just like Tudor, just like Indiana Jones, which tree are you going to eat from? Which seed are you going to sow? Uh, Which tree? The tree of knowing good and evil, to see something is good and take it, define it for yourself. Are you going to listen to the voice of the Lord and hang on to the, the hope of the gospel in Jesus and take the tree of life? Which, which seed are you going to sow? Are you, are you going to sow seeds of sin that you're going to repay and, and, and reap in this pain and brokenness in the world, which we all experience? Or are you going to sow seeds of the gospel? Maybe not even uh, because of the brokenness, but reaching forward and going, I know God's going to redeem and can heal, and then I'm here in this place because of God's forgiveness. Otherwise, we couldn't even be here. Adam does that. He hears the promise of this serpent crusher that's going to come and goes, your, your name is Eve, because you're the, you're the, the living and life is going to come from you. I, I love the grace and the hope and the life that Adam takes hold of, even in the brokenness in the darkest of night, because of the seed of the gospel. I love how Adam speaks life to his, his wife, who could really be depressed and like, oh, what have we done? Where, how bad am I? I? I shouldn't have done this. I was deceived, but I didn't know. But man, it's really, is it my fault? Is it your fault? He could have said, you wicked person. But instead, he holds on to that seed of the gospel and, and speaks life into her. You're not broken. You're not damaged. Your life, because of what Jesus has done, as a serpent crusher. And that is good news. Let's pray. Amen. Lord, we, uh, as we look even to the first couple of verses and uh, chapters of the Bible, we see that as sin enters the world, the gospel was right there. And Lord, I know for all of us, as we live in this broken, painful world, that so many times that we... Um, Boy, we add on to that, sowing seeds of sin in our own life. We don't want to define what we want to do and why we want to do it. And we end up uh, taking fruit from the, the tree of good and, good and evil. And really, the fruit of that sin and brokenness and pain and strife and marriages and uh, feeling of inadequacies and uh, jealousy. And um, Lord, the, the whole, all that fruit is just so painful. Lord, would we be people who plant seeds of the gospel? in our own lives, to be reminded of the goodness of you, in other people's lives, that we would speak life into them because of what you have done. And Lord, thank you that one day you will redeem all this, that you will call us to yourself. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that isn't in a right relationship with you, that they would know it's just, uh, it's just that one step. Admitting their sin, and going, I've been eating from that tree all along. I need to eat from the tree of life. And Lord, Jesus made the way for us to do that. So if someone doesn't know him or hasn't given their life to him, Lord, I pray that they would do that this morning. And for the rest of us, so many of us I know who have, Lord, would we respond to that good news, even in the darkest of nights, that you have made a way. And because of that, we can worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.